0: You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. The Bible says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I have moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. My family and I went to Omaha on Tuesday. I had to attend a pastor's conference, and my wife and daughter thought it would be fun to kind of go to the zoo while I was at that conference. And I thought it was going to be a fun family road trip. It's not too far away from Akron, about two and a half hours. And I'm like, man, we're going to have a really good, fun family time. Um, but I failed to remember that I have an almost two year old daughter in the back seat of the car <laughs> on the ride to Omaha. And um, as you guys know, it's difficult to drive anywhere when you have a two-year-old. And by the time we reach Sioux City, Sioux City, she's already saying, up please, up please, all done, all done, daddy, all done, all done, all done. And by the time we got to Omaha, she was freaking out, and she was in tears. And basically, in her two-year-old way, do you want to know what she was saying? She was saying, how long? How long am I going to have to sit in this car seat? Have you ever experienced road trips like that before? I feel like we all have, right? If you have family members, if you have kids, you've been through those long road trips where where your kids are saying, are we there yet, right? How long is it going to take, dad? Stop hitting me, right? It it drives you crazy when, when they're in the back seat. Sometimes road trips feel that way. How long is it going to take? Well, as we come to our text today, that's what we find out David is doing, That's the first two words in Psalm 13. He says, how long? How long is this going to take? How long am I going to be on the run? How long am I going to feel this way? This is a prayer of David. But it's interesting. What separates my humorous story from David's is David isn't asking how long regarding reaching a certain destination. No, do you want to know what David is saying how long for? David is asking how long regarding his darkness and depression that's the context of this psalm this is a psalm of lament look at the words look at what he says in verse one he says how long wilt thou forget me O lord forever how long wilt thou hide thy face from me this is a low point in david's life this is a dark time in david's life this is known as a psalm of grief or a psalm of lament you see david wrote this psalm when he was exhausted and depressed his trouble with king saul had gone on year after year and he was depressed he was dispirited and he was discouraged and this psalm really was wrung, wrung out of the extremity of his soul he simply could not go on not for another day not for another hour, not for another minute. And so he lifts up his voice, he looks to God, and he says, how long? How long am I going to feel this way? But you want to know something? Most of us can identify with David. Most of us have been there at some time or another, right? It may be a long, drawn-out sickness, a chronic pain condition that eats at you day after day, a financial problem of great severity, a long-standing, difficult, seemingly hopeless situation. It may be a wayward son or daughter, an alcoholic spouse or an unsaved person. It may be a situation at work, and you can't help but think, when is this going to end? How long am I going to deal with this? How long am I going to feel this way? You see, the truth is, guys, we will probably all find ourselves in David's shoes over and over and over again in our life. We all will, but, but here's the thing. It's important to understand that man's extremity is God's opportunity. You see, when, when we are at our wits' end, without resources at a loss for a way, perplexed and desperate, (laughs) that's usually when we see God beginning to work. That's usually when God starts to move. And the reason why this is, is because before he does anything about our situation, he wants to do something about ourselves. You see, we, we want God to deal with our complications, but he wants to develop our character. We want him to change our circumstances. He wants to change us first. He wants to transform us. He wants us to be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he allowed those circumstances to come in your life in the first place. We get it backwards, guys. We really do. Right? We, we, we look to God and we say, hurry up, Lord. Hurry up. How long? And he says, dude, it's your move. I won't move until you do because he wants to develop us before he delivers us and that's what this little psalm right here is all about a psalm of lament a psalm of darkness in a terrible time in David's life but this psalm teaches David and teaches you and me how to sing in the dark how to turn our how longs Into hallelujahs. And that's what we're gonna look at today. That's what we're gonna focus on this morning. And as we read this psalm, we discover three responses from David that led to his song in the night. And man, I tell you what, these three responses should mark our spiritual lives as well. This will help you so much. And the first response that we see is we see an emotional response. This is the how factor. Of this psalm, how long? An emotional response. Now, typically, I would not consider an emotional response to be something that we should strive for as Christians. I, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a positive thing, but in this situation, it is. Because before we can be delivered from our negative emotions, we must first learn to be in touch with our emotions that's super important we need to learn to be in touch with our emotions we must be willing to pour our heart out to god no matter how we're feeling no matter the emotion that we're going through not keep it bottled up not hold it down but be willing to open up and talk to the lord about it and this is what david does look at verses one and two this is really interesting he says how long wilt thou forget me O lord forever how long wilt thou hide thy face from me how long shall i take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily how long shall mine enemy be exalted over me what do we see there? that's an emotional response from david that's an emotional prayer that david is praying here right and we see him asking a question over and over and over again we see how long how long how long how long four times. That's how this prayer begins. And it's, it's interesting. This question, how long actually occurs 22 times in the book of Psalms, more than any other question in the Psalms, more than any other question. And almost every single time it was asked during a prayer of lament, a prayer of grief. And that's interesting. You want to know what that tells me? That tells me that whenever the psalmist was at his lowest point in life, this was his response. Whenever he was going through a trial, the first thing that he did was he looked up to God, and he said, how long am I going to go through this? How long am I going to deal with this, God? And you want to know something? That is a good response. That is a good thing. You see, contrary to popular belief, it's okay to ask God questions. It is. You know, I grew up in a church that would often teach don't question god now you ever heard that phrase before don't question god well that may have been well intended advice but that is not biblically sound no it's okay to question god it's okay to ask questions all throughout the bible we find faithful christians asking god questions did you know that job asked questions abraham asked questions peter asked questions mary she asked questions Not to mention, Jesus himself asked questions. Did you know that? As Jesus Christ hung there on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22. He lifted up his voice and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to look to God and say, God, I don't understand this. God, how long? And if I may add, it's also okay to complain to God it absolutely is that's actually what david is doing here in psalm 13 you see when david asks how long in verse 1 this is not a request for information about god's timing no this is actually a protest against god's activity all right notice something here all right when david asks the question how long he does not wait for a response no instead he repeats his request over and over and over again he repeats the same word at the beginning of successive sentences how long how long how long how long and that's really david's rhetorical way of saying listen to me god god hello god are you there god i'm right here that that's that's the idea there and it, and it paints a picture of david hammering on heaven's door trying to get an answer hello hello Hello, that's the idea here in Psalm 13. But here's the thing, this is not a bad thing. No, it's okay to pour your heart out to God in this way. It's okay to complain to God. Think about this for a second. A third of the Psalms are Psalms just like this one. A third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Times in David's life where he is down low, he is brokenhearted, and he cries out to God and he says, God, life stinks. Life stinks god i don't like this right now god i'm angry god how long there's nothing wrong with that no god can handle your honesty today guys and he wants you to pour your heart out to him no matter what psalm 55 and verse 22 the bible tells us that we are to cast our burdens onto the lord your emotions those negative emotions that's a burden right first peter casting all your care upon him for he cares about you. He wants to hear from you. God can handle your frankness. He can handle your cries. He can handle your complaints. And he can handle your accusations. All he wants is for you to tell him how you feel. And that's so important, guys. That is so important because I know so many people who have drifted away from God out of anger towards God. And God is just sitting there, hey, tell me about it. I want to hear about it, right? And it's so important because You will never have a strong relationship with God until you get completely honest about your fears, your faults, your failures, and your feelings. Be honest with him. Hey, that's what David does here. That's his first response, and that response was vital to deliverance. So the first response that we see is an emotional one, but then the second response is a prayerful one. We see a prayerful response here. And and this is what separates David from most of us today. Because I I would say that many of us (laughs) react emotionally when trials and tribulations come, right? When you go through a hard time, chances are you're going to react emotionally. You're going to complain. You're going to get mad at God. You're going to be wondering why. But very few of us act prayerfully. Very few of us take it to God in prayer, but this is what David chooses to do. He brought his emotions to God. You ready for this? David went to the only person that could do something about it. He brought his burdens to God, and this is where David's complaint turns into a cry. This is where David's howl turns into a howl. He pours his heart out to God, and he tells God, how he feels and and let's just break down how he feels here all right because i believe we can identify with this number one we find out that david tells god he feels forgotten look at what he says in verse one he says how long will you forget me O lord forever it seems to david that god has forgotten him david feels forgotten as he's praying to god right have you ever felt like that have you ever felt like someone has forgotten you maybe you're really close with somebody you guys were like this so close with them but then over time you don't hear from them anymore you feel like they've forgotten you you've drifted away that stinks right or, or, or maybe you run into somebody from high school and you're like hey brad how's it going and they're like hey buddy you know <laughs> don't remember your name that's always the worst man it's embarrassing Right, That stinks when when, when somebody forgets you. It can be heartbreaking to be forgotten by someone who should remember you, right? Well, here's the thing. It's even worse to feel forgotten by God. But that's how David felt. See, there was a time in David's life where he and God, man, they were so close. They they, they were like this to David. They, They felt so close. They were two peas in a pod, right? He was the anointed one. That's who David was. David was said to be the next king. He was the man after God's own heart. Dude, David felt the presence of God in his life. But now, David is running for his life, and God feels like a million miles away. You ever felt like God has forgotten you? I'm going to be honest with you, i felt like that before. There's been times in my life where I feel like I'm going on for God, I'm serving Him, and then all of a sudden where is he? God, where is he? Where, where, where are you? I, I remember distinct moments in my life where, where literally I, I'd sit down and I'd look up and I'd be like, God, where are you? God, I surrender my life to ministry and I don't feel you. There's times where that can happen. There's times where that will happen. And that's how David feels. He feels forgotten. But then we see something even worse here. But I love that David is telling God this. David tells God he feels forgotten, but then David also tells God he feels forsaken. Let's finish verse one. He says, how long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? And then he says, how long will you hide your face from me? So not only does David feel forgotten by God, but now he feels like God is deliberately avoiding him. He's hiding from him. He's abandoned That's how David feels. You ever felt like that? Has that ever happened to you? Somebody ghosts you? You try to reach out to him, you try to text him, you get no answer. You call him, get no answer. You run into him at Olive Garden and they kind of duck out the back way. Right? You ever have that happen? Being a pastor, I have people who do that with me because they don't want me to talk to them. (laughs) You know? Um, Sometimes that can happen. That's a bad feeling, right? Well, sometimes we can feel like that with God. We call God... We reach out to God, we pray to God, but it's almost like it goes straight to voicemail. We cry out to God and, and you hear your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. God is not available, right? Sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like God is not listening. But here's the thing. We need to remember our feelings aren't necessarily facts. You see, God's word tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us wherever we go. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. God is with you if you called on him as your savior. But sometimes our emotions play tricks on us. And that's what the case was with David. David says, I feel forgotten. I feel forsaken. Where is he? And you want to know what this led to? This led to the worst feeling. It led to heartbreak. And David tells God he feels heartbroken look at what he says in verse two he says how long shall i take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily how long shall my enemy be exalted over me so david's been brought low by his feelings he said that he has sorrow in his heart continually that word sorrow in the hebrew means grief or deep anguish of soul that's what david was going through And Dr. John Phillips described what this sorrow meant very well in his commentary. He said, David is talking about that knot in the stomach that makes food nauseating and that can ruin even the happiest of moments. The feeling where you can't sleep, can't eat, can't settle into anything, and every time you try to get your mind on something else, back it comes, that gnawing ache inside. Depression. Heartbreak anguish, continual sorrow. That's how David felt. And I think there are many people in this church today that are feeling that same thing. You can identify with how David feels. How long am I going to feel this way? I just want to lay down in bed. That's where David was. The only problem is David didn't have a bed to lay on. He didn't have a home. He was running for his life right? This was David in his lowest point. But even though David is depressed here, we learn in verse (laughs) 3 that David hasn't given up hope. Look at what we see in verse 3. We see David telling God, telling God, telling God. Once we get to verse 3, David asks God. David starts to ask God for things. And that's what prayer is, right? Prayer is not simply complaining to God. Prayer is not simply venting to God. No, prayer literally means to ask it's supplication. And and this is where, where, where David brings his needs to God. You see, in the first two verses, David had been crying out almost incoherently and certainly emotionally, right? Just this emotional response. But now he turns to deliberate, rational, and thoughtful prayer. And I love this. Look at verse three. He says, he says, consider and hear me, O Lord, my God, my God, So he says, even though you've forsaken me, even though I feel forgotten by you, even though I'm heartbroken, I'm still going to say that you're my God. I'm still going to realize that, hey, you're my God and I have a personal relationship with you. Even though I feel this way, you're still my God. That word my God there is the word Elohim. That word Lord is the word Jehovah. So what he's saying is, I'm still realizing that you are the powerful God and you're the personal God and you're the God that fulfills your promises. That's what he says there. And after he says that, We see David pouring his heart out to God and giving three separate requests. You wanna know what he says? He lifts up his voice to God and he says, God, consider me. God, hear me. God, enlighten me. So get this. Even though David feels like God has forgotten him and God has forsaken him, he still prays to God and asks God for help. And that's the mentality that we need to have. But notice this this is so cool, guys. He doesn't ask God for deliverance. No. He doesn't ask God to deal with his enemies. No, do you want to know what he asks? All he asks God is for an answer, a response. He says, consider me, hear me, enlighten me, answer me. I just want to know what the deal is. I just want to know that you're there. I want to know that you care. I want to know that you love me. He simply wants to know that God is listening. And we can learn from this, guys. You see, a person who is truly devoted to prayer is more concerned about God's response than their requests. A person that's truly devoted to God, they just want to hear from God. They just want that presence again. You know, sometimes I wonder if we aren't hearing from God in our life because we are more focused on the answer than the God who gives the answer. But that's not what prayer is for. No, prayer is meant for us to grow closer to God. It's all about a personal relationship. My God. All David wants is to hear from God. And that's the mentality we need to have. So we see an emotional response. That's needed. We see a prayerful response. That's needed. And then number three to wrap up, we see a truthful response. This is where the how and the how turns into a hallelujah. All right? You see, for us to learn to sing in the dark, we need to be in touch with our emotions, an emotional response. We need to be in touch with God, a prayerful response. And we need to be in touch with reality, a truthful response. All right? To say it this way, guys, we need to make a conscious effort to adhere to truth instead of relying on our feelings. Because remember, our feelings aren't necessarily true. Now, our feelings are real. They're a real thing. Our feelings are validated, yes. But that doesn't necessarily make them right. That doesn't necessarily make them true. And this is the conclusion that David came to here. And if you haven't listened to any part of my message, this is what I want you to listen to right here. All right. You see, in Psalm chapter 13, in verses 1 through 4, David describes how he feels. I feel forsaken. I feel forgotten. I feel depressed. I feel heartbroken. But notice his response to those feelings in verse 5. You see, verse 5 begins with a great adversative. We see one word, but. But. Now, that word but changes everything it changes this entire psalm do you want to know what that word but means that word but means that your troubles may be real your enemies may be real your feelings may be real but they do not have the last word they don't control you that's what david teaches us here you see in verses one through four david says this is how i feel I feel this way. My emotions are real. But in verses five and six, David says, this is my response to those feelings. (laughs) This is how I'm going to respond to the feelings that I have. And David responds in three ways. And dude, this is so cool, guys. Oh, this is awesome. All right. We find out in verse five, David says, I feel forgotten, but I will trust. I feel forgotten, but I will trust. Look at verse five. He says, but I have trusted in thy mercy. Now you look up that word mercy in the Hebrew there, and it's the word hesed. And it literally means merciful kindness or loving kindness. It can be translated both ways. And it's actually closely related to our New Testament Greek word agape. Unconditional love, unrelenting love, undiminished love. That's the idea here in verse five. So get this, all right? David is saying, I feel forgotten by you, God. I feel like you forgot me. Nevertheless, I will trust in your unfailing love for me. He's saying, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I will trust that you love me. I can't make sense of this, but I will trust in your love. I don't know how long this is going to last but I am going to trust in you. In other words, David chooses to listen to the truth. He chooses to believe what God's word says. And God's word says he loves us. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. That's a love that never ends. That's a love that never fails. First John 3, 1 John 3.1, this is one of my favorite verses, man. Behold, what manner of love, what out-of-this-world type of love is this, that we should be called the son's of God, right? That's how much God loves us. We're a child of God. He is our Father in heaven, and He loves us with that unconditional love that never ends. And He says, We are to trust in that love. I feel forgotten, but I trust in your love. And the back end of verse five, he says, I feel sorrowful. I feel depressed, but I will rejoice. L- let's finish verse five. He says, My heart shall rejoice. In thy salvation. Let me ask you, what's David doing here? He's preaching the gospel to himself. That's what he's doing. The good news. He says, I will rejoice in your salvation. I will rejoice in your deliverance. And can I just say, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, that gives us reason to rejoice. Even when you're sorrowful, even when you're depressed, even when you're down. You still have reason to rejoice. And did you know the Apostle Paul felt that exact same way? There's times where he was sorrowful. He still rejoiced. I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. Paul said, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I am depressed, but I still have reason to rejoice. And that is salvation. I will rejoice in thy salvation. And guys, this is a principle that will change our lives if we follow it. Hey, when we are filled with sorrow, when, when we are utterly low, It's important to remind ourselves the day of our salvation, the day that we gave our life to Jesus Christ. And if you have not given your life to Christ, you can give your life to Christ right now, today. And when that happens, everything changes. Think about this for a second, all right? No matter how bad things get, we are saved. We have been saved from hell we are a child of god we became a new creation in christ all things are passed away behold all things are become new we get to spend eternity in heaven hey there's a mansion in my name on it with in glory i'm a child of god hallelujah holy moly that's awesome i've been passed from death to life And no matter how bad things get we can remember that it reminds me of my father-in-law's light verse habakkuk chapter 3 and verses 17 and 18 it talks about the trials the tribulations but reason to rejoice it says although the fig tree shall not blossom neither shall fruit be in the vines the labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no food the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls all of this is bad all of this is terrible verse 18 yet i will rejoice in the lord i will joy in the god of my salvation no matter how bad things get, I'm gonna rejoice in my salvation. You wanna know something so cool? And I, I've used this illustration before, but it's awesome. That word joy and rejoicing are two different Hebrew words. One means jumping up and down, and the other one means spinning around in circles. So Habakkuk is literally saying, hey, things are bad, things are awful, things are terrible, but I am still gonna rejoice, I'm still gonna jump up and down and praise the Lord because I have a personal relationship with Almighty God. We have reason to rejoice. I feel sorrowful, yet I will rejoice. I feel forgotten. But I will trust. And then number three, David says, I feel forsaken, but I will sing. Look at verse six. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully for me. David says, I feel forsaken. I feel abandoned. Nevertheless, I will sing of your goodness to me. This is a reflection here. I love this. He says, me. So even in his lowest point, he says, God was still good to me here. God was so 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 good to me here. Here, 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 here. And then pretty soon he can't help but sing to the Lord. Sing unto God. And, and and can I tell you, we can do the exact same thing. That verse, verse 6, is our verse. God has dealt bountifully with me. We will sing of the goodness of God, no matter how bad things are.